0: My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So today we're uh, jumping right back into Hebrews chapter five. And remember, this book of Hebrews is this um extended uh exposition and exhortation uh from this writer that we don't know uh but he's writing to these christians who are tempted to go back under the old covenant right so they're tempted to go backwards right and it's funny because it's not funny but it's interesting (laughs) that he is going to give them warnings right really really sharp and strong warnings about the perils right of going back uh to a place uh that is that is not under christ right like going and turning away from Christ and so chapter 5 he begins and he comes and moves And he explicitly begins to speak of Christ's high priesthood and why that is good news for us. So he ended off in four talking about it some, but here he's going to pick it up and talk about how he is this priest. Right. So so we know that Christ is a king. Right. Like that's that's pregnant in the name of Christ. And we know that Christ is this prophet. Right. But he says, no, Christ is also this high priest. Right. And all of these Old Testament offices are are coming to the fore in this one person and if we remember in the Old Testament the priests uh, they would go into the temple and make these sacrifices before the Lord in the holy place and the, and then the high priest in particular would offer gifts and sacrifices once a year and he would go before the most holy place on the on the day of atonement and when we get here the writer of this this text is saying uh, his priesthood is analogous Jesus's priesthood is analogous to the Aaron's priesthood right? Uh, if you remember in the Old Testament, uh, to be a priest you had to come from Aaron. Right? That was that was it was just that was it. You just couldn't sign up, right? You just couldn't pull up, raise your hand, like I want to be a priest. No, 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 you had to come from the line of Aaron. Um, and it 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 hinted at the way God chose them, right? He chose these priests, and he's like even more so Christ, right? Like He Himself was chosen by God, uh, not to be a high priest temporarily, but forever according to the order of Melchizedek, which we will get more into in a second. A second. But for our purposes, I think uh, what he's trying to say in chapter five is that uh, similar to the Old Testament priest uh, serves as a representative uh, for the people of God. So this is why um, Jesus does as well. Right. And right after he quotes the Old Testament, he's going to say he was legit. He was a legit man like you and I. He took on all the qualities of human beings except sin. Therefore, as the perfect man who underwent every effect of the fall, but who was not subject to the fall, is qualified to be a high priest forever. Uh, And the source of an eternal salvation as our representative. Hebrews six comes, interrupts his argument. And in the beginning of Hebrews six, he has another one of these warning passages. Again, the book of Hebrews, Hebrews, as I said before, has these many warning passages that are very, very sobering. And uh, what I want to say is that if you read carefully Hebrews chapter six, what he is not saying is that we should go around in distress with our hands uh, on our head, uh, fearing as Christians. Should we be worrying about if we're really saved or not? Right. Or if we can lose our salvation or not. Nonetheless, the passage is saying that there are grave consequences for turning away from the faith. Right. All throughout the letter, the author is arguing and warning those who are on the fence of willfully and sinfully turning their backs, openly denying Jesus. There will be consequences. And I think passages like this are clear Right? That if if it's you or I or whoever decides they're going to turn their back on the the on on the Christ, they won't have the kingdom, right? Like they won't enter the kingdom. But I, I think we need to remember too that this this warning and all of these warnings are corporate, right? So he's talking to a community, right? Um, so he says, uh, you know, You know, right, those who were once enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift, who shared in the Holy Spirit, who tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age and who have fallen away again there are different views on this passage but i take this to mean that there are some in the covenant community there's some amongst the people of god who have displayed what seems and looks like genuine repentance and by being in proximity to the body they can display what looks like fruit to us and we all know these people <laughs> we know what like i don't have to convince you that these people exist right you know some of these people who seem to have spiritually blended into the crowd for a time nonetheless they have fallen away and he's saying hey you don't want to go that route as well. You don't want to go that route, right? And this whole letter is an attempt to keep you from going there. Why would you spurn and turn down the greatest gift God has given to humanity? Chapter 7 comes and he begins to to under, to show and I love how he gives this warning, but he shows that um that Christ is is, is so firmly seated in heaven and his work is so sufficient to keep us even in the midst of him warning us so he sp- begins to exposit this fiz- this figure uh Melchizedek and Melchizedek's significance for understanding the work of Christ and his line of reasoning continues what was interrupted in the last chapter and trying to explain that the priesthood of Christ is actually superior to the Levitical priesthood. So remember, these saints are trying to go back under the old covenant, the old covenant consisted of the Levitical priesthood. So you can see why he would argue that Christ's priesthood is greater. Right. Why would you go back to something that is lesser? Right? So he says, no, no, Christ is a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now it's funny because Melchizedek is this very um interesting and mysterious kind of character in the Old Testament. He only shows up two times: Genesis 14, Psalm 110. Right? In Genesis, his his uh short narrative intersects with the Abrahamic narrative, right? And the first thing I think we must realize about this guy is that uh his name is uh, means my king is righteous, right? So you see the the themes of righteousness and kingship showing up there. But another thing that's interesting is that uh in the book of Genesis he doesn't have a birth narrative, right? Or a death narrative. Now it's funny because in in this book it's odd in this book of origins, literally the book of Genesis means origins, that this priest king doesn't have an origin story, <clears throat> right? We are told of Adam's Adam's uh, origin. We've told of, of, of Noah's origin. We've told of abraham's origin right but we're not told of his second though in genesis 3 god cursed human beings with death right as a result of sin that entered the world and so we aren't told of his death in the story either which is another interesting thing and we're told of adam's death and noah's death and abraham's death right um so so he's setting up the argument so beautifully. um nonetheless we are told that he was a priest of god mosah right he was a king of a territory called Shalem or Salem, right? Which according to Jewish tradition was an ancient name for Jerusalem. And the text will say here that he actually blessed Abraham. And, um, you know, as a priest, that was one of the roles of the priest. You blessed God's people. And it's funny because in addition to that, he, he will say that his priesthood predated that of the Levitical priesthood. So in other words, Melchizedek shows up in the Bible before the Levites actually show up in the Bible. So in other words, what the writer is saying, he's trying to point out in the same way that Melchizedek was patterned. uh, uh, He's he's trying to point out in the same way that that Melchizedek was patterned after the son of God, right? Rather than the other way around, right? He is both a priest and a king. His origin story neither starts uh, or ends because he is eternal. Talking about Jesus. He has been raised from the grave and lives forever. He is crucified and resurrected and he is exalted in Jerusalem, just like King Melchizedek was in Jerusalem. And Uh, He remains a priest forever. Right. And he blesses Abraham, meaning that uh, the the, the Mechizedekian priesthood blesses the Levitical priesthood. And so he does all this kind of extensive and complicated arguing to show that, in fact, the whole old covenant is patterned after the new. Right. Like it's it's. It's and it's weird because it comes after. But but what he's saying is, is that God's blueprint was in heaven and was foreshadowed all throughout the Old Testament. And the Old Testament uh, realization of this uh, is only uh, pointing forward to the end time uh, realization of it. And in Hebrews eight, he gets to this. He says the main point of what it being said is this. I am I'm just sum up everything I just told you. We have this kind of high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in The heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and the true tabernacle that was set up by the Lord and not by man. So notice there's a true tabernacle in heaven for every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Therefore, it was necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now, if he were on earth, he wouldn't be a priest. This is talking about Jesus now. So in other words, Jesus's priesthood was in heaven. It's not on earth. Right. Um, Since there are those offering the gifts prescribed by the law. So in other words, he's saying. The reason Jesus is not a priest on earth, but a priest in heaven is because God didn't want to abandon the law. So God, so God never abandoned the Torah. He would break the Torah because in order to be a priest on earth, you have to be a Levite. Jesus is not a Levite. These, all of this stuff serve as a copy and a shadow of the heavenly things. As Moses was warned when he was about to complete the tabernacle. For God said, be careful that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown to you on the mountain. In other words, he says, the whole reason I went through that is because Jesus is Uh, The one at the right hand of the father, right? Jesus, according to Psalm 110, is the one at the right hand of the father. He's like the whole priesthood, the whole temple, the whole tabernacle was made and created after and patterned after heaven itself. That's why he's like, fam, when my man Moses was going to the top of the mountain, right? Which symbolizes the heavenly places in the Old Testament to chop it up with Yahweh. He was caught up in this divine assembly, the presence of God. And it was where he saw the heavenly blueprint and came and made the earthly blueprint based on the heavenly blueprint, right? Right? This physical representation on earth. And that place that he was going to see, this place he's saying is where Christ does his work, right? And he says, fam, this is the new covenant, right? Like all of this coming to fruition was promised in the old covenant. So why would you go back to the old covenant, right? He says, this is on better promises, right? Remember the old covenant law that was given was written on stones. Now the law is written on hearts. He says in the new covenant, God enables what he expects from his people. He expects obedience and enables it by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, right? He now allows us, to yearn and desire to keep his will and enables us to do it as well right uh and 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 this new covenant has given us full and free and final uh forgiveness right um because of the work of jesus there's no need to continue to return to a temple to offer sacrifices with the priests uh, when you make a mistake christ took care of it once for all and i think the implications for us after all of that is to try and choose, listen, to, to try and choose anything over Jesus, to try and go back to what we once were, is to have a fundamental misunderstanding of the character and nature of Jesus and his ongoing ministry in the presence of God for you right now. And as a Christian, trying to go back and live under the old covenant is like me telling my beautiful wife, Jasmine Pinkney, I want to marry her shadow. What he's saying here is that the old covenant was a shadow of what was to come. And now the actual substance or reality is actually here now. Why would you turn down the real thing for something that isn't? Let's pray. God, we ask that we would not turn down the real thing today. God, I pray that you would give us the grace to live in such a way to where we uh, consider Jesus.